There is nothing more powerful on planet Earth than the unified Church of Jesus Christ doing life and ministry together. God's people are always better together than apart. That's why the church is still the best incubator for spiritual formation. With others in the body of Christ, we discover our purpose, fulfill our calling, use our spiritual gifts, mature in our faith, and remain unified like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are you contributing to the sweet harmony of your church? Remember this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Returning to the basics of our Christian faith, on today's Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Well, the book of Ephesians can be neatly divided into two sections. In the first three chapters, the Apostle Paul focuses on theology. In the final three chapters, he shifts away from doctrine and turns his attention to duty. And one of the first duties he mentions is that all of us are called to be part of a local body of believers. Stay with us for today's message or listen on demand from our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message, Ephesians, Basic Christianity. If you're telling me that, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I'm done with all that organized religion stuff and hogwash, you won't grow as a believer in Jesus Christ isolated from a local congregation. And no, you won't find a perfect church, but an imperfect church made up of imperfect people, saved by grace and through faith, is, is a better incubator of life transformation and spiritual formation than anything the world has to offer. Get connected to a local church, a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church, and, and not just on the periphery. Immerse yourself in it. Get plugged in. Use your spiritual gifts. Be a positive, unifying, contributing member of that church. And you will grow uh, immensely in your relationship with God. There is nothing more powerful on planet Earth than the unified church of Jesus Christ doing life and ministry together. And I will add nothing more enjoyable when it's working well. And when we're enjoying a season like this at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church, there's nothing more enjoyable than this. Nothing more life-giving than being a part of the body of Christ. Now Paul goes on to get practical by urging the Ephesians to speak the truth in love, chapter four and verse 15. He says, no longer should you walk as the Gentiles do, uh, his reference to unbelievers, in the futility of their minds. After he tells us to put off the old self, he says, put on the new self. Uh, he gives a short course, just a verse or two on honesty, followed by anger management and the importance of doing honest work. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. First of two times, at least, he's going to mention, well, this is the third time he's mentioned the Holy Spirit. 
But this in the context of, of, of how we live out our duties and responsibilities. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Part of what grieves the Holy Spirit is dissension. And any other sin whereby we say no to the Holy Spirit and yes to the world, the flesh, and the devil, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And then Paul ends the chapter with um, some soothing words that make life together in the body of Christ just more enjoyable. He says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, are you ready for this? Doesn't get any more basic than this. Be kind to one another. (laughs) Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, just basic Christianity. I call it basic marriage counseling as well. In fact, I use this verse when I preside over a wedding. I look at that uh, joy-filled bride and groom, and I say, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Take that verse and put it on a placard and put it somewhere in your your home, maybe on your refrigerator. You may not need it today and on your honeymoon, but uh, a month or two or three years from now, you're going to need it. Kindness goes a long way. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, not hard-hearted toward each other. Forgiving one another. (laughs) I'm sorry you're forgiven are two of the most important phrases to use in a marriage and mean it and then move on. And what's the, what's the standard by which we forgive? Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Why, why do we forgive and move on? Because we're forgiven people. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that basic. The hard part is putting it into practice. And living this out in the body of Christ, be kind. To one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, you know the drill. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Chapter 5, the theme is walking in love and light. You want to go for a walk? Well, the word walk appears seven times in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I remember growing up in a church where they would often ask you, how's your walk with Christ? You know, once you become a believer in Christ, uh, you know, we, we walk in Him. And uh, there there are many things that Paul says about our walk in Christ, each time suggesting that following Jesus is more than just a Sunday stroll through the park. Uh, Make no mistake about it, the Christian life, I would say, is a vigorous, purposeful, ambulatory movement toward a gospel and Jesus-centered life. (laughs) Can I read that again while you write that down? The Christian life is a vigorous, purposeful, ambulatory movement toward a gospel and Jesus-centered life. How is your walk in Christ today? Well, let's review how Paul uses this uh, phrase and this picture. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, unbelievers, who you were once before you met Christ, unbelievers walk in step with the world, the devil, and the sinful passions of the flesh. That's just who we were before we met Christ. And sometimes how we walk, unfortunately, as believers, we walk more like unbelievers in step with the world, the devil, and the sinful passions of the flesh. In chapter 2 and verse 10, though, he tells tells us that believers should walk in good works. And in chapter 4 and verse 10, or verse 1, we should walk worthy of the calling with which we have received. In chapter 4 and verse 17, uh, do not walk like those who do not know God. Your walk in life should not look like an unbeliever's walk um, and experience. 
And then in chapter 5, Paul instructs the Ephesians and us uh, to walk in love, verse 2, to walk as children of light, in verse 9. Finally, he says in verse 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And then right on the heels of all that in chapter 5, Paul's instruction about walking wisely, he puts on the heels of that, uh, he says, be filled with the Spirit. He tells us in chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our salvation. He seals us. Then in chapter 4, he tells us in with a negative command, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But then positively in chapter five and verse 19, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Remember, you got the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, but how you walk in submission to the Holy Spirit, day by day, moment by moment, will determine whether you walk the Christian life successfully at any given moment. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says at the front end, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, just as too much wine will control you and cause you to act poorly, um, too much spirit, and there isn't a definition of too much spirit, but be drunk with the Holy Spirit, he's basically saying. Be controlled by the Spirit of God who lives inside of you. Now, in chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 through the end of the chapter, now Paul begins to talk about how the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ transforms our relationships. And he begins with the marriage relationship. And he instructs husbands and wives in the profound mystery, he calls it, the mystery called marriage, which refers, he says, to Christ and the church. This is the second mystery that Paul has revealed in his letter to the Ephesians. First was the mystery of Christ and his church. Now, the mystery of marriage. He says, you really haven't understood what marriage is all about. It's a picture that refers to Christ and the church. The church is the body of Christ and the church is the bride of Christ and Jesus is our bridegroom. What this means is that your marriage is not primarily about you and your happiness. God doesn't want us to live in miserable marriages, and he doesn't give us, give us the eject button if we're just unhappy in our marriage, but his primary purpose in marriage is not to make us happy. His primary purpose in marriage is not even to make us holy. His primary purpose in marriage is to present to the world and to the uh, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, a gospel picture. That's what marriage is meant to be. That's why you don't mess with marriage. It's God's idea. And because it is a gospel picture, this elevates the importance of you thriving in your marriage, working out your differences, learning to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And to keep working at it. It's the necessity of you and your spouse following God's plan for marriage. Because with every broken marriage, there's so much at stake. It's a black eye to the gospel. This, this is a gospel picture. 
And if you're not ready to live up to the expectation of the gospel picture, then don't get married. Don't get married. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a brand new resource from the ministry of Dr. Ron Jones, an ebook that goes along with this current series titled Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip to the Bible. The seventh of eight ebooks in the series is based on the Pauline epistles and is our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Ephesians, Basic Christianity. Jesus had some instruction about marriage in the Gospels and, <laughs> um, and, and the apostles, the disciples came back to him and said, well, this means that maybe we shouldn't get married. He said, well, okay, if you're not willing to live up to the expectations, then don't get married. But the expectations are a whole lot higher than any of us ever imagined as he unveils the mystery called marriage. You're on display, your marriage is on display. Paul establishes the husband as the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself a savior. And he summarizes God's plan for a dream marriage in verse 33 by saying this, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. <laughs> That's called basic Christian marriage, 101. Husband, love your wife. He says earlier, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And wives, show a little respect to the guy. Respect him. Just, just, just go over and above in showing him respect. And Paul shows the ways to do that as well. Now, our new life in Christ transforms then more than just the marriage relationship. And in chapter 6, we've made it to chapter 6 now, uh, Paul continues the conversation by instructing the relationships between parents and children. Yeah. Uh, parents, make sure you have uh, a Christ-centered home, not a child-centered home. A Christ-centered home, and after a Christ-centered home, a parent-centered home. Most of the problems that I see and that I counsel, and that Catherine and I counsel, is because of child-centered homes. Read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And then he addresses the relationships between slaves and masters. No, he's not advocating slavery as an institution. But he's giving some instruction to those 2,000 years ago who were caught up in a system that they couldn't change. And in the meantime, here's a way to show respect, Christ-like respect to those who are in authority over you. Sometimes we take that instruction and apply it to employers and employees in our context. His whole point is this, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who you are in Christ, should transform your relationships. 
and you don't relate in marriage, in family, in the workplace, wherever it might be, like those who do not know Christ. Chapter 6, verse 10. We're almost done. Now Paul gives attention to the spiritual battles we face daily, again, in the heavenly realms. It's real interesting, uh, Ephesians has like bookends, starting with our spiritual wealth in Christ in chapter one, and in chapter six, spiritual warfare. And he begins in chapter six and verse 10 by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Oh, is the devil a schemy dude, isn't he? Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities. He's talking about those demonic rulers and authorities in the unseen spiritual realms. He says, we wrestle against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul's painting a picture for us here. And he says, the battle in the invisible realm is real. The powers of darkness are fierce, but the weapons of our warfare are stronger. And he goes on to tell the believer in Jesus Christ to put on the whole armor of God, meaning put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. God even has some gospel boots for you to put on. Don't, don't forget your shoes. Don't walk out the front door without your gospel boots on. He goes on to say we must pick up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He adds that we should engage in warfare prayer. You want to know how to live the Christian life successfully? You want to know how to engage the spiritual battles that are impacting the physical realm in which you live? You've got to see with eyes the invisible spiritual realm and the warfare that's going on, and you've got to dress for spiritual success every day. I don't know how much time you spend, you know, getting a shower in the morning and doing your hair and washing up and picking out the right clothes to go to work or school or whatever it might be, but spend at least that much time or more getting dressed for spiritual success. Otherwise, you're, you're easy pickings for the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365 days out of the year operation. And they have you and your family in their crosshairs. Spiritual warfare. Are you winning the daily struggles you face against the world, the flesh, and the devil? That's the question. Whew. Ephesians. <laughs> Makes me want to just pause and just hang out in this incredible New Testament book for several weeks and months just to plumb the depths of it. But this is the message that Paul wanted to preach in that theater when there were 25,000 riotous people saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And oh, by the way, I'll take three of the little, little gods. One for my home and then my kids need one too. Paul wanted to preach this message. Not only did he send this letter to the church that was starting in Ephesus, but, but he wanted this message to spill out, to get more and more people to say, no, 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 Artemis is not great. It's not great as Artemis of the Ephesians. 
Great is Jesus, who is the Christ. See, my question for you this morning is, who are you shouting for? Your favorite basketball team? I know it's Mark Madness next week. And I hope you're shouting for my Purdue Boilermakers, who, by the way, are ranked ninth in the country this year. They're... Come on, I'm just lighting up a little bit. <laughs> Go Boilers. Let's say that to get... No, we'll do that. <laughs> now, who are you shouting for? I, I hope you're shouting, great is Jesus, who is the Christ. Because me being in Christ, I, I, I am who I am in Christ only because of Him. Not because of anything in me, but because of Christ in me. Great is Jesus, who is the Christ. Somebody shout amen to that. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Ephesians, Basic Christianity. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, there's so much great stuff in the book of Ephesians, both theologically and practically. As we wrap up today's broadcast, is there anything you'd like to add or expound upon? There is, Brian. Uh, two things, actually. First, Paul spends uh, half of Ephesians talking about doctrine. Uh, the major thrust of it being that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. But then he spends three chapters talking about how we should live in light of our salvation. It's doctrine, then duty, uh, not the other way around. So let me reemphasize a foundational truth. Uh, we don't perform our Christian duties to earn salvation or to contribute to our salvation in any way. We perform them because we're saved already. We do our Christian duty to glorify God and point others to Him, not to add anything whatsoever to our ability to be saved. Now, let me talk about the relationship between Christian duty and one of the key pieces of the armor of God that enables us to perform that duty. I'm talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, Brian, when we look at the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, we find that the Bible is the only offensive weapon mentioned. The rest are defensive weapons, uh, weapons of protection as opposed to weapons of attack. I'm talking about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and so on. Uh, these are defensive in nature. But the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive weapon to be used in spiritual warfare. Uh, so to all of you listening who may be struggling in your walk with God, maybe you're burdened with guilt or self-condemnation, maybe you're struggling with a sin problem that you can't seem to overcome, let me ask you this. Are you spending time in the Word of God? Are you saturating your mind with it? Uh, think about it this way. If we went for any real length of time without eating, our bodies would suffer. And as it is in the physical realm, so it is in the spiritual realm. The Word of God is manna for our souls. It is the bread of life. And in order to not only wage war with the enemy, but to win it, consistent time in God's Word is absolutely paramount. Those who are spiritually starving will not have the strength to fight this battle. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from today's message, Ephesians, Basic Christianity. Ron, before we say so long for today, tell us what's happening tomorrow as you move ahead in your series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. 
Brian, our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of Philippians, an epistle in which, uh, well, the Apostle Paul challenges us to choose joy. Let me say that again. According to the Word of God, joy is a choice. Keep in mind that Philippians is one of four epistles that Paul wrote from prison, uh, which is a dark and gloomy place, absent of anything to be joyful about. And yet the word rejoice, or some form of it, appears at least seven times in the four chapters of Philippians. So for anyone who may be going through a season of deep discouragement or dismay, I want to help you understand over the next couple of days that you can choose your way out of it. And in recapturing your joy, you'll also recapture, well, the strength necessary to live the abundant, joyful, and victorious Christian life that Jesus wants to give to you. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Hebrews, the superiority of Jesus. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.